right. Well, today we're going to keep going with our AWARE uh, series. Now, here's why we're doing the AWARE series. One of the coolest months at Clearview is Missions Month. And Mission Month starts next month, in the month of November. So the, the amazing Kim Margrave, what she'll do is she'll bring in missions partners. And, man, if there is one month that I could tell you don't miss at Clearview, like, man, don't miss November. Because what's going to happen is you're going to have all these cool interviews and all these cool stories of our missions partners. And you're going to get to see where all of your funding, part of it goes. You know, like, here's one thing I think people don't understand. People don't understand that the local church is a mission. Right? Do you understand that? The local church, God uses the local church. And so when you give, you're giving to missions by giving to the church. And you're going to get to see that in the month of November. It's really cool. So what I'm doing in the month of October leading up to that is to kind of get our minds moving about what it means to be aware. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be messengers of hope in unexpected crisis. Messengers of hope in unexpected crisis. So you, you've been reading about that in Luke chapter 8. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and go to Luke 8. And in Luke 8, you just read it as a congregation a minute ago about what we often call the, the bleeding woman. And in Luke chapter 8, just so you know, in case you weren't here last week, in Luke 8, there are three stories. And last, story, the last week we talked about the story of the person that encountered an unexpected storm in their life. Well, listen, when you're going throughout your day, if you can master that story, just learn that story, and somebody goes through an unexpected moment of chaos, you can, instead of telling them, you know, maybe the four spiritual laws, maybe you could say to them, but before you get to that, maybe you could go and say, hey, can I tell you a story about your situation? Uh, well, yeah. Because there was somebody that went through something somewhat similar. They didn't see this catastrophe coming. You can tell, if you can just tell that story, you can plant a seed for the gospel. Today we're talking about if you can just learn this story. How many times have we all seen somebody go through health crisis? You, you know, I know you've seen this. You've, maybe some of you have actually encountered it in your own life. But when you, when you encounter a, a health crisis that's not going away, you ever been involved in a health crisis that's not going away? You ever seen somebody that you know, maybe even from a distance? You know, we're kind of used to people getting sick and then getting better. You know, we're kind of used to that. We're kind of used to seeing them get sick and then get better. But what happens when they actually aren't getting better? You ever watch somebody slowly get worse? And, it's not, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're in different territory now. Yeah, well, this is what happened to this woman in Luke chapter 8. The woman who goes up and she touches Jesus. She works her way through the crowd. And if you know anything, if you've ever been through a long-term health crisis or you watch somebody go through a long-term health crisis, I really think there's, there's three things that it does to your life, really. Number one, I would say it hijacks your dreams. And I wrote them down up here for you, right? Look, it, it hijacks their dreams. I've watched people that go through unexpected health crisis. And it's like everything that they ever wanted to do, now it's all up in the air. They don't really know if they're ever going to get to do that again. It's why you see athletes. It's why you see people that, that, that are ath athletic and they're, maybe they're in college. Maybe they're even on the professional levels. When they get injured, what you often don't see is all the counseling and all the heartache, when a singer loses their vocal cord, something goes on with there, you don't see all the other side of what it does to them. 
It hijacks their dreams. But it also, I would say, it alters their daily rhythms. Man, how many times have you watched somebody you know, even if you barely know them at work or somebody on your street, and, and, and all of a sudden they go through this thing, and now their day is really messed up. Their, their average day now changes. They, they, uh, you watch people, all of us have had people in our families as you watch somebody become a caretaker. Now, all of a sudden, their life is becoming a different rhythm. It's a different pace. Many of you are going through that. You know, I'm 50 years old, and, and everybody that's in my line uh, uh, or my age range right now, if you're kind of around your 50s, you're becoming somebody that is watching your parents' age, aging parents. And so you're watching people that, you know, I remember my, even my granddad, you know, who, who I thought was the strongest human I ever saw in my life. You know, I, I, I thought, man, my granddaddy, he was just, he was smart. He could do anything. I was never, same way with my dad. You know, in the presence of my daddy, in the presence of my granddaddy, I've never, I remember as a little boy, I, I feared no man. I feared no situation. I feared nobody because my daddy was there. My, my granddaddy was there. And then you watch, I remember watching my granddaddy as he got older, watching this like, man, he, his body becomes compromised. He becomes a little weaker. And then, then their, their rhythms change. But if you, if you know somebody that goes through something chronic, maybe they're not even old. Maybe they're 30 years old. And they have an unexplained health condition or something happens. It dominates their story. I mean, it really does. It, do, it starts dominating how they see life. It starts dominating what they're going through. And that's what was happening with this woman. So I hope you got a Bible. We're going to Luke chapter 8. And you've already read the story, and I'm just going to focus in on one portion of it, verse 43. Verse 43, it says, And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up, verse 44, behind Jesus, and she touched, the New American Standard says, the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And so Jesus says to all of them, hey, who touched me? And what Peter says is, hey, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Like the crowd, they said it pressed in on him. And what Jesus is saying is, he, I mean, what Peter's not being a jerk. He's just saying, Master, people have been touching you all day. This whole crowd is touching you. I don't, I don't really understand. And Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand. Power went out from Jesus felt it. She felt it. In fact, uh, Mark chapter 5 says it this way, uh, that Mark's, Mark's version of the story. It said, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she spent all she had. Instead of getting worse, better, she grew worse. She literally was bankrupt. So not only was she sick, now she's bankrupt. She has no money. So, so more treatment is not even an option for this lady. Nobody could change it. Nobody could do anything about it. Now, I, this, this sermon series is a little different because we're not going a little deeper on the deep dive exegetically. What we're literally doing is we're looking at how, what can this story tell us as believers in Christ? How can this story help us have eyes to see and ears to hear? So it's a little different of the way we're approaching the story today. But there is one thing that I do want to take a second and kind of go down in the weeds because it's really, it's really one of the coolest parts of the story. Um, I've preached on this a couple times at Clearview over the years, but th this, this story, it's been a few years since I've discussed this, but so hopefully you've forgotten it, but if you, if you still remember me telling this story, just act like you've never heard it, okay? But I'm going to tell you something kind of cool. So 
One of my buddies, Don Pearson, was teaching on this one time. We, had, we were having a conversation. He's a, a, been probably my most influential coach and mentor I've ever had. And, and Don was taught, he was at some church. He went all across Tennessee and other states uh, helping churches learn how to pray f- for the kingdom to come. And I, we were just talking about this passage one day, and he said, Man, Jason, I was, I was sitting there, and I was in this small group, like maybe you know, 50, 60 people. And he said, On the front row... I'm reading this story, and all of a sudden, this lady just starts having to come apart. He said, it wasn't a Sunday morning service. It was like a, it was a, 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 a weeknight kind of thing. And he said, I'm, 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 it's getting to the point where she's crying, and she's just, she's, she's just trying to hold it together. To the point that I, I'm, I'm kind of like one, worried about her now. And, you know, and, and there, it was their church, so it wasn't like there was a bunch of guests around. And he said, ma'am, he just stopped. He said, you, you okay? And, and she said, no, I'm not. She said, um, I was raised a Jew. And she said, the way this reads and the way you've often been talking about it it's like this lady sneaks up through the crowd and she just kind of touches Jesus see because people back in those days thought that if you were I'm going to use an an old word medicine man you know remember the wet in the westerns they had a medicine man a a guru a shama kind of person they felt like those people carried special powers and so people would try to get up and touch them thinking literally some of that would rub off on them and they would get like a, a, a fresh miracle or something. They were just superstitious. But this lady said she, she touched him on the hem. And she, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce this word so I'm not even going to try to say it, but it's, 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 it's some really awkward Hebrew word that, that basically means tassel. She said she touched him in the place of authority. It's the place where a Jew, when they wore the, you remember how Jesus, you remember when Jesus talked about Pharisees and he said about the Pharisees, some of you that that maybe know a little bit about Jesus teaching on the Pharisees, he said, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, don't be like them, all you people, don't be like those people because they like their phylacteries long, they like their tassels long. You see, the longer those tassels were, it showed more prominence. But they also believed that those, those hymns were the places of royalty. So when she went up and touched him, she was touching him in a different place. And that is why Jesus said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched, power went out for me. And that's why he says to her, your faith has healed you. She, she latched on to Jesus with a presupposition that she knew who he was. You get that? You tracking with me? You see, it's different. It's different here. So she knows something about the situation. So here's what we're going to do this morning. So I'm going to kind of split this up. This is a little different. I'm going to kind of split this up because this is really kind of a weird sermon, so to speak, because it's really about how to help us help other people. But I'm going to split this up before I do that. I'm going to split this into the in crowd and the outsiders, okay? And that doesn't make us better. It doesn't make us special, right? Remember some of you that grew up in the 60s, the in crowd song, I'm in with the in crowd, right? I didn't grow up in the 60s, but it was a cool song. Same guy that sang that, sang uh, Give Me a Beat and Free My Soul. I want to get lost in the rock and roll. Who's that? That'll be great. Thank you. Somebody knows something. Love it. 
Yep. All right. So Dobie Gray saying that I'm in with the in crowd. Well, we're going to talk about the in crowd and the in crowd is us. If you're in Christ, you're in the in crowd this morning. And here's what I want to say to you before we get to the outsiders. All right. And by outsiders, you know, oh, you know, we're living in a cancel culture and you know, everything you can't, can't be exclusionary. Well, I'm, I am for a minute. Okay, what I mean by that is not that they're, it's not that they're worse. They don't know Jesus. And we're in Christ. And, and so we want to beat people on the outside. We want to bring them in the inside, right? Amen? Yes, we do. Yes, that's right. Y'all were a little slow on that. Maybe you're under-caffeinated. Okay? But here's what, here's what I want to say to the in crowd, all of us, right? I want you to look at this. To the in crowd, I want to say this. God only gets glory if you go public. Now, I'll tell you why I said that. God only gets glory if you go public. And here's what's going on with this woman. you got to know what's happening to her. Not only does she have a medical condition, right? But obviously, I mean, she's bleeding menstrually. This is, this is brutal. It's awful. But in the, the religious customs of the day... We don't have time to go into it, but she wasn't allowed to come to church, if you want to call it that, temple. She wasn't allowed. So, so all of a sudden, not only can she not come to church, you know, for a few days a month, she can't come to church ever because she's ceremonially unclean. So now she can't worship. She can't do that. She's isolated from the people of God, so to speak. But on top of that, there's the public shame of it all. Everybody knows in a small town, man. Well, you know, why you know, they know her name. Why isn't she coming around? I hadn't seen her anymore. And people, well, you know, she kind of, you know, it's, it's a bad deal. So this woman is isolated. So here's the thing. What she is, she's destitute. She sneaks up the crowd and she's going, if I, I'm going to get near Jesus. And, and, and she, she goes up in. But then something happens. Like her whole world gets wrecked. Because Jesus stops. He says, who did that? And now, there's no secrecy. She can't hide. Now, this lady who has lived kind of off in the margins, now she has to face everybody. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And on top of that, what a scandal. Because you're somebody, the Pharisees have been looking at her, the religious, you know, jerks, that's the, that's the Greek word for them. Um, the religious jerks were looking at Jesus and they would have been like, can you believe her? She knows she can't touch him. Do you understand? Now you can't go to temple either. Well, actually, I'm going to tear it down in three days. So, you know, yeah, that, that was pretty good on my feet right there. Y'all didn't catch, y'all get that on Friday, right? So, he, so she's done this scandalous thing. I mean, it's a thing now. It's a, bad, it's a bad, awkward social moment with spiritual connotations. Here's why, here's why this story is so captivating to me. Because when Jesus heals this lady, he didn't just heal her body. He healed her in public. Because if he didn't heal her in public, she, she would not have been healed of her shame. You, you following me on that? You see, 
healing her in public, he didn't just heal her body. He restored her reputation. And here's what I think that means to us as Christians. You've heard me say it maybe a hundred times. I've lived in this county a long time. And I believe, with I will go to my grave believing this, that the greatest idol in Williamson County is image preservation. We are so afraid that if anybody knows what our daughter's going through, they're going to look at us different. We are so afraid that if anybody knew that I really didn't resign, that I actually got fired, what would they think of me? We are so afraid for anybody to think if they actually knew what was going on, well, then I'm going to be seen different. And we're supposed to be these people that have it all together. And I want to tell you, I pray to God you're listening right now. Okay, I've been in ministry a long time. I'm going to tell you, there is no human that has it all together. Nobody. I mean, if I wrote a book on the crazy people in the church, you, A, you would buy it. B, I'd never have to work again because I'd be rich. And C, you'd be like, holy cow, I'm doing all right. You know, there's many days across 33 years of ministry I've come home to tell Michelle, I can't tell you what, I can't tell you who, I can't tell you why. I'm just going to tell you, you and I are okay. <laughs> right? But that's the truth, man. Jesus heals her. And I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I pray to God you're listening to me. Gosh, Almighty, some of you in this room, you could have, you could have amazing ministries if you, can I just say it like I feel it for a minute? If you would get over yourself. If you would just get over yourself, if you would get over wondering what everybody thinks because you take depression medication, if you could just get over wondering about the fact that what if they knew I'm 44, what if they knew when I was 17 I had an abortion? What if they knew? What, what if they knew that about eight years ago we had to file for bankruptcy because we were so materialistic. And we, we didn't, I mean, we just, man, we were trying to run with everybody and buy the cars and have the house. And, and, and then everything was fine and the business was going pretty good until it wasn't. And then when it wasn't, it got worse. And I took out a loan to try to save the business. And then I had to let seven people go. And all of a sudden it goes down. And I didn't think I'd ever be here. But holy cow, we're starting over. I mean, you know. You're so, I'm telling you, some of you, God could use you to heal so many people in the name of Jesus. But for that to happen, you got to go public. And I didn't say you got to post it on Facebook, right? I didn't say you got to post it on Facebook. I didn't say you got to start a website. And, you know, uncover all the 97 million things that has happened to you in your life, right? I didn't say you had to do that. What I'm saying is, God only gets the glory if you go public. And so Jesus 
heals his friend. And one of my prayers for Clearview, before I move off this point, is I will just say this. One of my prayers for our church. I'm serious. One of my prayers for our church has always been that maybe, maybe just maybe, maybe just maybe that one day in a county that reeks with image preservation, while simultaneously being in a county where everybody is jacked up and messed up. That's a Hebrew word. Well, there's no normal person, and normal doesn't exist, and sin has touched everybody. Maybe just maybe we could be a place where people that are super dysfunctional could go, oh, God, thank you for that place. Oh, man, they could walk in and go, man, I can just, you know, take off the image, and and they know me, and they know about me, and they know about what happened at my job, and I'm going to tell you something. That's why we talk about freedom so much. That's why we talk about freedom so much. I'm telling you, hear me, church people. I believe if we could be that, you would be stunned at the number of people that that would be magnetic to. And you would have a ministry beyond your dreams to people. But God only gets the glory if you go public. See, our healing is a billboard. Do you understand that? Our healings are billboards. Here's what you, you know why God's not using some of you? Because here's what you want. You want to you get the healing, and you're like, okay, God, like, heal my heart, right? And then when you do, you know, you ever come to church? How are you doing? Fine. Lions in the Big Ten, right? Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Fine. That's right. We, we're not. So if you're on the inside, in, in the in crowd, God only gets the glory if you go public, if you testify. But here's the second truth about those that aren't in Christ yet, right? God wants to heal your greatest disease to the outsiders. I was an outsider too. See, I didn't come to Jesus till later in my life. I remember what it was like being scared to die. I mean, I don't, I'm not looking forward to it or nothing on the earthly side. But I'm starting to, at 50 years old, understand why people a lot older than me go, I just want to be done with this. Starting to make sense now. I'm not, I don't fear death. I don't look forward to the process of dying, but I don't fear death. I'm not fearing death. You know why? Because Jesus healed my greatest disease. Now I want you to look at something in Luke chapter 8, and I put it on the screen for you. All right? In Luke chapter 8, this is what Jesus says to her. After he heals her and after he touches her, he says, Daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, big word, and be healed of your affliction. There's two things that happen right there. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. But now let me tell you something. Now, this is, a, this is 
This is important truth here. When I tell you that Jesus healed, wants to heal your greatest disease, let me tell you, her biggest problem wasn't her hemorrhage. Now, I want you to track with me for a minute. You see, if God heals you on earth, if God heals you on earth, let me tell you what still has to happen. You have to die. Right? I mean, barring your Elijah, he got caught up, but that's the only dude. You're, you're going to step, unless Jesus comes, you're stepping off this planet. You are. You're going to step off this planet, and you don't know when it's going to be. It could happen today, or it could happen in 10 years, but it could happen at any given moment. A friend of mine went to lunch with a guy a couple years ago. Both of them were in their early 50s. He goes back to his office, gets a phone call. An hour and a half later, the guy he had lunch with was killed in a car wreck on 65 South. He said, man, I just ate with him. I mean, it messed with him for a month. I just, I was the last meal that guy had shared that with him. You better be ready to step off the planet. And that's going to happen. So even if Jesus heals your cancer, even if Jesus heals your depression, even if Jesus heals your hemorrhage, even if Jesus heals your self-image and all the things going on, whatever's go- whatever you've got, even though Jesus healed this lady, death is still coming, right? Death is still coming. Her, her eternity's unaffected. I mean, even if he heals the body, her eternity is unaffected. But he says something there, and you can't read right past it. Your faith has made you whole. And I don't, I'm not a Greek expert, and you know, I took it in you know, all that good stuff. And, and, but I, I've never felt like it was uh, our job as, as pastors. I, I can't stand it when pastors say, well, you know, the, the committee kind of missed that word right there. I'm like, so you're better than Gordon Fee, people you wouldn't know, people I wouldn't know. You're better than some of these people at Lockman. You're better than I read from the New American Standard. I'm like, it takes a whole lot of arrogance for a guy with, you know, four semesters of, you know, but they literally called it baby Greek, you know, to come up here and say, well, I know better. Well, you don't. But I don't understand why they just say made you well, because let me tell you, in the Greek word right there, you know what that says? Your faith has saved you. And it can be interpreted made you well, but it also means your faith has saved you. And I, I, I'm just going out on a limb here a little bit and wondering, maybe if maybe, Jesus his intent was to say you believed and because you believed your greatest disease is cured and sweet lady it wasn't your hemorrhage you're dying from sin you see we look at the outward body Jesus cured her biggest problem. And her biggest problem was being separated from God. And that, friends, when you tell your friends the story, so all of a sudden you've got, you've got a friend, 
or maybe just somebody you encounter at a convenience store and they're going through a big health crisis or you overhear somebody in the line going through BNA airport or you hear somebody, you know of somebody going through a situation. If you can master the story of saying, hey, I, I want to tell you a story about what God did to this lady who was really sick. And I don't know what he's going to do to your earthly body, but I can tell you what he can do to your heavenly self. And that is he wants to heal you. He wants to heal your greatest disease. I thought of this verse. I added this this morning. It's one of my favorite verses in all the New Testament. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The enemy comes to take. Jesus came to give. And he restored this woman in the presence of everybody. But the most important thing he did was he gave her her life back. And he gave her, gave her her life back for all of eternity. He cured her greatest disease. You know, it means a lot to us that you would come here today and be a part of who we are. It, it really does matter to us more than you might realize. Sometimes I think we underestimate the power we have to influence people. You know, if you would look around your world, you'd be amazed at how many people would receive what you have to say to them. You could be a digital missionary. You don't have to post everything on Facebook, or we're not asking you to go on your favorite social platform. But I would challenge you to look around your world. I guarantee you might have a friend, even in a different state or another part of the world, something was said today, whether a sermon, a prayer, a song, something was said that could mean a lot to them. Man, send it to them. You'd be amazed at how much of a difference that could make.